Today on Blue 58, the Packers are facing one of the top teams in the NFL this weekend. Or are they? The 49ers may be a bit more mysterious than we've been led to believe. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here ahead of this big matchup for the Packers. The 9-1 San Francisco 49ers. The Packers traveling to the West Coast again, second time this season, to take on a very, very good 49ers team. 9-1, hard to do much better than that. Uh, The San Francisco 49ers come into this one at first place in the NFC West. The Seahawks are trying their absolute best to keep pace. It's not been good enough so far, though they did beat the 49ers not too long ago. But what a division the NFC West has turned out to be this year. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's the best division in football. I don't know. Maybe it is. It's certainly one of the most interesting. You've got the 49ers, who are 9-1. and You've got the Seahawks, who have probable MVP candidate, Russell Wilson. Well, not even probable. He certainly is. He's got to be in that conversation at the very least. You've got the Los Angeles Rams, who are interesting just because they're not quite maybe so good as a lot of people thought they were going to be this year, but they're still pretty good at that. And then you've got the Arizona Cardinals, who are not there yet, but you can see some of the pieces there. You can see what Cliff Kingsbury is doing. You can see some of the stuff from Kyler Murray starting to click a little bit. It's an interesting group, and the 49ers look like the class of the division so far. So far, that is. We've talked about the Packers a little bit over the past couple weeks as potential overachievers. There are some numbers that you can point to that give a little bit of credence to that theory. And the 49ers have gotten a lot of that same talk, and I'm not always sure if it's legit. Let's circle back to a couple of the numbers that we've talked about in regard to the Packers. Expected wins and losses. So the 49ers are 9-1. and one. Their expected win-loss number is just a shade over 8-2. and two. They're pretty darn close to being expected to win nine games. Then you look at their record in close games. They're 2-1 and one so far this year, not really overachieving there either. They've got a four-point win over the Steelers, a three-point win over the Cardinals, and a three-point loss to the Seahawks. That is not too bad. On top of that, a lot of the efficiency numbers saying they're Uh, Their defense is performing at a historic pace so far. They're doing just a real good job shutting down opposing offenses. The catch is the 49ers really haven't faced much in the way of decent offenses. Just look at the quarterbacks they've played so far this year. Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, Case Keenum, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray two times, and Russell Wilson. Who's the best quarterback on that list other than Wilson? Probably Baker Mayfield and the Browns have been just awful this year. It's not exactly a murderer's row of quarterbacks. And looking ahead on the 49ers schedule, you wonder if things are going to start to even out a little bit. They have a much tougher second half or stretch run of their schedule than they do a first half. But they don't have any control over who they play. They've just had to go out and face the teams that they've faced. And they've whipped a lot of those teams. They've just handled teams that have challenged other good teams around the league. Just look what they did to the poor Carolina Panthers and Josh Allen. 51-13, to the final score in that one. The Panthers gave the Packers quite a test. Is that what we could expect from the 49ers in this one? I'm not sure it's going to be 51 to 13. I think we can say that this is going to be a tough test, even if the 49ers have overachieved a little bit this year. 
So let's learn a little bit more about them. Starting on offense, overall, fifth in yards, second in scoring. If there's a weak spot to this 49ers offense, it's turnovers. They rank 22nd in the NFL in turnovers, and a lot of that has to do with their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's thrown 10 interceptions so far this year against 18 touchdowns. He's also fumbled seven times. I think it's hard to see he's having a terrible season. But that's not really what I want to talk about. I don't really want to talk about his performance. I think there's a philosophical question that's really interesting when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo. I've seen a couple articles researching for this podcast and just, you know, in my standard NFL reading, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo as being overpaid. I think that is exactly the wrong question. In the NFL, you either have a quarterback or you have nothing. If you're a team without a quarterback, if you're a team without a solid starting quarterback, you're not a team. You're not going anywhere. So if you've got a guy that you can think is going to be your starter, unless he's on a rookie contract, you're going to pay him starting quarterback money. And starting quarterback money starts at like 15 to $20 million a year. And Garoppolo is at $17 million this year for a cap hit this year. The 49ers think he's their guy, so they're going to be fine with paying that. And as long as he continues to be the guy, that's what they're going to pay. So wondering whether or not he's overpaid is not not really the question you want to be asking. The better question is whether or not he should be the guy. Because if you're going to have him be the guy, you're going to end up paying him that money. This is a question that goes before the paycheck question. Should he be the guy in San Francisco? I am not equipped to answer that question, but what I can say is I think we're going to get to a reckoning point here in the NFL at a certain point when these contracts for quarterbacks get bigger and bigger and bigger. If you've got guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, who is not putting up eye-popping numbers this year, making or counting $17 million against your cap, at some point teams have got to say, you know what? No, we're not going to do that for guys that are just going to put up 18 touchdowns and 10 interceptions and fumble seven times. I know our window is short, but we got to try to get something better than that. I don't know how you go about getting something better. Maybe that puts a little bit more emphasis on those guys who are in the, like, I don't know, 10 to 15 range among rankings for starting NFL quarterbacks. Maybe those guys become more desirable. You just end up paying those guys a little bit more. Maybe Garoppolo is in that category. Maybe he's like the 14th best starting quarterback in the NFL. That is the question, though, whether or not he's the guy, whether or not he's a starting caliber player. If he's going to be your starting caliber quarterback and you're going to sign him to a a contract extension at all, you're just going to end up paying him pretty much what you're paying him now. That's just the reality of the quarterback market. Deciding whether or not he's the guy, that's the real question, though. And the 49ers have decided, yeah. He's going to be our guy, and we're going to pay him accordingly. He's got a couple pretty decent running backs behind him. Matt Breda and former Atlanta Falcon Tevin Coleman are splitting the load almost exactly evenly so far this year. They've got like a four-carry difference between the two of them. Breda leads the way. He's averaging five and a half yards per carry. Pretty darn good. But interestingly, he ranks 27th in success rate. This is a really interesting number. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's something that I've used. Uh, just in my own study, uh, success rate, basically, in short, it it's how often you're getting the amount of yards deemed to make running the ball worthwhile. And it, it that varies depending what the down and distance is. On a first and 10, I think it's like four yards is a successful run in this metric. And then on second down, 
it's a uh, it's a little bit more third down it's a little bit uh, more or a little bit less I'm not sure or, or you just get the first down and then fourth down if you're going to run the ball you have to get a first down for it to be considered a successful run he is only putting up successful runs on about 44 percent of his carries that's 27th in the NFL Aaron Jones on the flip side leads the league at 61%. 61% of his runs are considered successful. And guess who happens to have a not very good run defense? The San Francisco 49ers. More on that in a second. At tight end, you've got the monster George Kittle. He has been hurt, but so far this year, he's caught 80% of his targets. He's averaging just under 12 a catch so far this year. He's good. That's really all you need to know about him. The big question is whether or not he plays on Sunday. It's kind of looking like he will early word is it's a game time decision. Wide receivers, uh, second round pick 2019, that is second round pick Debo Samuel leads the 49ers in receptions among uh, among wide receivers. I don't have a ton to say about receivers. We could talk a little bit about Emmanuel Sanders and we would, but he's hurt and it looks like he's not going to play either. So let's talk about Samuel for a second. Again, philosophically, I think his relatively quick contributions for the 49ers show the value of drafting a wide receiver relatively early, something that I think the Packers need to strongly consider next spring. Uh, Debo was taken 36th overall, and what a cool name, by the way, Debo Samuel. Uh, he, he was taken 36th overall. The Packers took Elton Jenkins at 44. I think that's a pretty good comp on what you can still get early in the draft, yet outside the first round. If you can get a guy like Elton Jenkins at 44, you could probably get a pretty decent wide receiver in that neighborhood too, even if you go as high as 36. And you should be getting a pretty decent receiver at 36 as well. Offensive line, pretty solid here in San Francisco as well. They're 10th uh, in line adjusted rush yards, according to Football Outsiders. They are 7th in pass protection. You've got Luke Staley, who may or may not be ready. We'll see. This is a pretty solid group. Uh, for the 49ers, though. Defense, I think there's an, an interesting philosophical similarity between the 49ers and Packers here. Both of these teams seem to have taken the approach that pass defense is really where it's at in 2019. Run defense is fine, but if you don't stop the run, it's not necessarily the end of the world. Both teams have been pretty okay against the pass and not so great at all against the run, and both have run into problems when that strategy is taken kind of to its logical endpoint and teams just decide that they're going to run and run and run. San Francisco, though, ranks second in scoring defense and first in passing yards allowed, just 20th against the run. On first downs, they're averaging 5.31 yards per carry allowed. Hopefully, we're seeing a lot of Aaron Jones early in series. Also, something we're going to see a lot of is defensive coordinator Robert Sala. Uh, in, in San Francisco, he is animated on the sideline to say the least and I think you're probably going to be sick of seeing him by the end of the game but get used to it because uh, you're probably going to be seeing this guy a lot around the NFL over the next couple of years because he's probably going to end up with a head coaching gig here before too long the 49ers have a real real good pass rush from their defensive line five different pass rushers not all of them necessarily traditional defensive linemen but five nonetheless have a production ratio of 1.0 or higher that's the number that we point to as being indicative of a worthwhile starter uh, a couple of them are getting close to elite status the packers only have two such players with a production ratio of one or higher that's i'd rather have the packers be close uh to the the 49ers but 
we're not quite there yet. Uh, Nick Bosa, of course, a, a notable player here. Seven sacks so far as a rookie. Last year at this time, and I think this is worth thinking back to, last year the conversation about was about him leaving Ohio State, just shutting it down for the year or being about to. I, I don't remember the exact timing, but that's where we were headed. When you talk about guys doing that in college, I'm always wondering if they're worth the hype. You know, you say you don't want to get hurt in a bowl game. That makes sense to me. But are you the caliber of player who can really justify just shutting it down for the year and just counting on your draft prospects and the stuff you've put on tape to that point in your college career being enough? Nick Bosa can. And he has been everything that everybody thought he was going to be. Uh, you've also got D Ford up front for the San Francisco 49ers. We talked about him um, in relation to the Kansas City Chiefs. He was traded from them in the offseason. He has six and a half sacks so far this year. He may not go this week either. It's a bit of a banged up 49ers squad that the Packers are facing, and uh, they could have some significant holes depending on how the next couple days play out. All this pass rush seems to come a little bit at the expense of run defense, though. They are 18th in adjusted line yards. Toward the bottom half of the league. They are pretty solid against power runs, though, according to Football Outsider, though that's not really been the Packers' game so far this year. Quick look at their defensive backs. Their pass defense is really good. I think it's noteworthy, though, that only Richard Sherman is really getting his hands on the ball regularly. He has 13 ball hawks so far this year, the only defensive back with more than five on the San Francisco 49ers. And as we transition to our player to watch segment, Let's talk for a second about Richard Sherman. He is still pretty darn good uh, at his now advancing age. For for a defensive back, he's getting close to being positively ancient. And considering how he ended his tenure in Seattle with the torn Achilles, it's pretty amazing that he's still playing at all. He looked pretty bad at times last year, but not so much this year. I think being a couple years now from that uh, Achilles tear has really really helped him. His passer rating allowed has dropped from 105.3 last year to just 50.8 this year. His completion percentage allowed has dropped from 61.5 last year to 60.8 this year. His yards per target allowed down from 8.4 last year to 5.4. Watching him go up against Devontae Adams is going to be an interesting one. Last time the 49ers and Packers played, it was a bit of a track meet. 33-30, to 30, the final score of the Packers coming out on top, almost literally a track meet, considering that literal track star Marquise Goodwin burned the Packers for two big touchdowns from C.J. Beathard uh, starting for the the 49ers last year as they went through that entire quarterback uh, roundtable situation last year with Jimmy Garoppolo tearing up his knee. The Packers kind of rallied down the stretch. Then Mike Pettin, in one of the plays of the year last year, brought the house on a key late third down blitz, which resulted in Kevin King's first interception and sparked the game-winning drive. That was a pretty exciting game. It shouldn't have been that close. So what? It was fun. In, in, in what turned out to be a lost season, hey, you'll, you'll, you'll live with that. 33-30, an exciting, exciting game there for the Packers and the 49ers. Not quite so exciting for the 49ers, though. What do we think is going to happen in this one? I want to say the Packers will win. But will they? The gut feeling for me is that this is either going to be a close Packers win or a big 49ers win. I think if the 49ers do what they do well, there's a good chance that they could really put a hurt on the Packers in this one. They run the ball well. They've got a tight end who can really uh, cause problems for the Packers. They've got a pass rush that can really get after it. 
that seems like a recipe for a team that could really work the Packers over. But I also circle back to the fact that the uh, the 49ers have not really played much in the way of decent offenses. So I think there's a pretty clear way forward for the Packers to win this one. I think they have to start with a fast start on offense. It's been a while since the Packers really lit it up in that scripted portion of their offense. If they can do that, that's a good, good first start because that puts more pressure on the 49ers to respond, which in turn would put pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. The second part of this winning scenario involves Jimmy G, and I think the Packers have to force at least two turnovers. Uh, from him in this one. That should be doable considering the way that he's been giving the ball away this year. Finally, I think the Packers have to keep up the pressure and score at least 28 points in this game. So a fast start on offense, force two turnovers, and then score at least 28 points. I think that is doable. I think the 49ers may make this game closer than it needs to be, but I think the Packers can win this game. And what the heck, let's predict that they will. I think the final score is Green Bay 30, San Francisco, 27. Tough game, tough win for the Packers, but an important win considering what could uh, ultimately happen in the standings down the stretch. One last thought about this game before I let you go. This is an important game for the Packers, certainly on the field, certainly in the standings, but also for narrative purposes. And we know narratives are garbage, but still they have a way of sticking around throughout the course of a season, and coloring maybe the way that you look at a particular team. To me, this feels like a narrative-changing game. The result of this game is going to seriously shape how people talk about the Packers at a national level for the rest of the season. If they win this game, I think the Packers are going to start getting more serious talk as contenders than they've gotten to this point in the season. It feels, though the Packers have done pretty well in the power rankings and stuff like that throughout the course of the season, it still feels like people think that they're a tier below some of the serious contenders. This would be a great way to change people's mind on that. But on the flip side, should they lose, and should they lose in convincing fashion, I think we're going to have a bunch of people saying, ah, this just shows you the Packers were frauds all along. That 8-2 and two record... It was built up on a bunch of wins that maybe just weren't super great. They seriously did overachieve throughout the course of this season. And I think whatever happens in this game is really going to be how the how people think about the Packers over the course of the rest of this season. Because if you look at the games that they play from here on out, the five games after this San Francisco game, there are not a lot of big-time moments for them. There's the Vikings game, and that's about it. There's four other games they should probably win. This could be the Packers' last real chance to make a statement to that national audience about what people think about them. Not that it counts or matters for anything, but I think it's going to affect the conversation one way or another. Let's hope that it is for the better. So I've got for you on this episode. I do appreciate you taking the time to listen in. I appreciate everybody who takes the time to download one of our episodes and listen in. You know what to do to support us. Check us out. Uh, leave us a rating and review. All that good stuff. For more information, check out the support page at thepowersweep.com. If you don't do anything else, though, leave us a question, a comment, uh, a something that helps us 
understand what you're thinking about and what we can do to better serve you because all of that is going to further our mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdig. We will see you next time on Blue 58.